Uh, is it an insult to call Ravnica a homebrew setting? Uh, it was somebody's homebrew, isn't it? That's what I'm going to go with. Dangerous Color Wheel in New York City. I'm your host, Shane. And I'm your host, Ishan. And welcome to episode 174 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're reviewing the newest release for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. We'll walk you through it cover to cover and let you know whether it's worth adding to your collection. So this episode of Total Party Thrill is brought to you by our friends at Cobalt Press. Midgard Sagas is a new collection of 5th edition adventures from Cobalt Press set in the dark fantasy world of Midgard. Yeah, the book has adventures for characters from levels 3 to 8, all of them designed to be played in 4 to 6 hours and packed with action. You know, that's kind of the sweet spot for adventures. I think we talked about that in an episode called The Goldilocks Levels. Uh Uh-huh. Levels 3 to 8. Right. It's mostly porridge. Uh Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. It's right before you get Fireball and right after you get Fireball. (laughs) Right. When Fireball still works. Right. (laughs) Is it immune to fire? No? Great. Can we stay here? Yeah. (laughs) So in Midgard Sagas, players will fight their way through clockwork guards to save the city from a mad saboteur. You know, it's kind of nice when you're fighting the clockwork guards because you can always keep track of how long it's taking you. (laughs) Yes. Wow, three rounds to kill one of these things. Uh, Maybe we could speed it up a little bit. Right. Players can also execute a daring heist at a posh nightclub, explore the ruins of an ancient elven city, avert war with the dust goblins of the wastelands, and battle a brain-eating menace from space, and more. You think that's Mind Flayers? Uh, or Neogi? I mean, yes, but also no, because those aren't part of the SRD. What if they're uh, aboliths from space? That could be. Uh, I would actually, I would like to talk about this uh, daring heist at a, at a posh nightclub situation, because if you recall, we ran one of those adventures ourselves in a Blades in the Dark game, and it went swimmingly. Oh, it was great. Well, we were in one, right? It was run for us. It was run for at, us, yes. Uh, Thrillicon 1. Oh, I was thinking of the game, uh, the first time we played Knights Black Agents, Oh, which yes. was also a heist in uh, a posh nightclub it, in well, Romania. The point is, posh nightclubs are great places to execute daring heists, which you will almost certainly be fighting things in. Or to execute bad guys. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) So you can visit koboldpress.com to learn more. Now, for regular listeners of the show, uh, this episode will have no uh, recap from the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign and no character creation forge because we have a lot to cover in this book. This freaking book. This book, The Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, which is the fifth new RPG sourcebook from Wizards of the Coast for 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, brief history of these sourcebooks. Here we go. Uh, in 2015, we got Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, which was a campaign book set in Forgotten Realms. Then we got Volo's Guide to Monsters, which was a Monster Manual 2, 1.5, focused in Faerun. Uh, and then we got, finally, Xanathar's Guide to Everything, which presented new player options. After that, we got Morden Kanan's Tome of Foes, which was a hybrid book split between uh, lore about the different conflicts of the multiverse and a bestiary. Now, like Sword Coast Adventures Guide, Ravnica is a book that's focused on a single campaign setting. This time, it is the Plane of Ravnica from the collectible card game Magic the Gathering. 
Uh-oh, crossover. Crossover. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, you got Magic the Gathering in my Dungeons and Dragons. Hey, keep your nerd stuff away from my nerd stuff. Uh, so, I don't know. How, would, how do we feel about mixing the IPs? Because keep in mind, Wizards of the Coast also owns Magic the Gathering, which, of course, is how they were able to buy D&D from TSR. I guess buy TSR. I don't buy know TSR from D&D. From, from TSR. <laughs> right? Uh, I don't care. I, I originally I was like, this sucks. You know, like I hate that um, D&D doesn't get to stand on its own and there's stuff in D&D that I would rather see and, you know, forget Magic the Gathering. Uh, but now I actually, I just don't care. Um, if it makes D&D more accessible to more people and it brings new, like fun, cool content to D&D that can be used elsewhere, then I it doesn't matter to me at all. I mean, some of these mechanics are actually pretty good. I, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Part of it is I've seen the book. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I felt the same way. I was extremely skeptical. Um, I do feel like, though, if they're putting resources into D&D rather than Magic the Gathering, I'm happy with that. Okay. <laughs> we can we can talk more about like how we feel about Ravnica specifically later on. Um, but, okay, so just to, to talk about where we're coming from, um, we've talked a little bit before about our personal history with Magic the Gathering. Like... You played Magic, right? Mm -hmm. Longer than you did, I believe. Yeah, and Later long, long ago. Did. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, uh, 2002, probably. Oh, yeah, it was pretty late. Yeah. I mean, I started earlier than that, but I think I played through 2002. Um, Like, seriously? Wait, did it get you into D&D? Into &D? Um, was that the segue? I mean, I definitely played Magic before I played D&D, &D, but mm. I don't know that that was necessarily the gateway. Um, oh, interesting. I think... No, wait, Baldur's Gate. It was Baldur's, Baldur's Gate that Gate. got me into D&D. Yeah, 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 okay. All right. It was actually Magic the Gathering that got me into D&D because I would go buy the magic cards and hang out at the comic book shop and then like the guy working there would tell me about his like D&D campaigns. And I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I was, I was super into magic from ninth grade to 12th grade. Like to the point where I was like nationally ranked and like won tournaments and stuff. And then like I went away to college and just like gave away all my cards and never played again. Well, that was probably a mistake. Well, I mean, yeah. Not the playing again part. But the, the giving, the, away, the giving the cards. away the cards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had each mocks, although not all five at the same time ever. Okay. <laughs> I've never owned a Black Lotus. Um, if you want to buy me a present, anyone, anyone out there? Yeah, ever want to buy me a present, Black Lotus, please. All right. So let's talk about Ravnica. So it's a planet-wide city run by 10 different guilds. What's that called? An ecumenopolis, like Coruscant? Sure. Let's go with Coruscant. Uh, or uh, uh, it's like a big uh, hive city. One giant city. Oh, for a forged planet, really, is what <laughs> yeah. it is. Yeah, well, kind of. Okay. So peace was enforced between these 10 guilds for 10,000 years by a magical guild pact. Uh, but apparently that was recently broken and then like precariously mended by some planeswalker. Yeah. Who's like never around anymore. Yeah, that's a very <laughs> Magic the Gathering backstory and not a very D&D &D backstory. <laughs> no, not particularly. Uh, but the world is super high magic. Mm -hmm. um, everybody uses magic as technology, um, very similar to Eberron and probably even more advanced than Eberron. Like the, the city of Ravnica or the plane of Ravnica has like modern conveniences like refrigeration and indoor plumbing right yeah like whereas Eberron is widespread magic but not necessarily high level magic Ravnica is both mm -hmm. um, and there are magical creatures running around all over the place right so we'll get into that all right so you've got uh, what five chapters 
Yep. Uh, chapter one is character creation. Uh, the good stuff. Yeah, why we're here. <laughs> so if you want, uh, your character can choose to be a member of one of these guilds, although they do make it a point a couple times throughout the book to say that half of the people are are guildless. They don't have a guild. Yeah, those I, half suck. Don't play them. Yeah, I don't understand why you wouldn't pick a guild. It's just free stuff. There's like one stupid thing on each table that's like, maybe you're not in a guild or maybe nobody. And it's like, no, this is dumb. Stop that. Uh, there are tables to determine your party makeup. Uh, are you all from one guild? Do you, do you meet each other from different guilds? And if so, then what's your reason for adventuring together? There's actually a cool flow chart uh, to determine what guild you might want to join. It's a little complicated to read, but it looks cool. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a, <laughs> it's a very bad flow chart. <laughs> I kept coming across um, results, and I was like, wait, how do I get to that result? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I didn't notice that there was also another choice there. Right, yeah. It's... it's it's a weird flowchart, but it is very helpful for understanding like where all the guilds are positioned. All right, but we do the character creation forge. I don't know. Is this AL legal? I think I, they might be. I don't know. Okay, whatever. Uh, the first new race we get is the centaur, uh, which is, you know, half person, half horse. Classic. The classic half person, half horse centaur. <laughs> I think the top, elf is, uh, the top half is technically a half elf. I believe. Well, it's a fae, one way or the other. Right. So this is the first playable creature that we have gotten in for in 5th edition that is not humanoid. It is fae. I think this is a big deal. Which means like dominate person does not work Right, on whole, person, whole no, person. There are right. so many spells and effects that say target a humanoid or target a humanoid you can see or whatever. And it just doesn't work on you. You're not a valid target. Um, I guess there are some situations where like divine sense can find you because you're fae um but a lot of those are sort of like player abilities that are probably not going to be used against you so mm -hmm. really i see this only as a boon uh protection from good and evil mm, okay that actually would be kind of kind of cool to have used against you yeah so you get plus two strength plus one wisdom you're fast but you're terrible at climbing you get a neat little charge attack and skill proficiency so i mean there's not a whole lot to the package uh, oh, you get, I guess, natural weapons with your hooves, which, I don't know, I think they weigh too heavily, typically. It's like a, you know, D6. It's like a free short sword. <laughs> it's a D4, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a free dagger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but you're medium-sized, even though you uh, have four feet. But that means that According to the regular mount rules, a medium creature can't ride you. Uh, small, though. Small can ride you, but they can ride anybody, honestly. So, whatevs. Although, if you're playing a centaur and your DM's like, no, the halfling can't ride you, then, like, your DM sucks. I think, more importantly, that means that you can ride a horse as a centaur. <laughs> I think you'd have to ride them backwards, though, right? Because the two front halves of you will get in the way. <laughs> so, so you have to 96? <laughs> Which is my favorite, honestly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, then we get a reprint of the Goblin from Volo's Guide. Uh, then the Loxodon, which is like elephant folk. Um, yeah, a horribly disfigured people. <laughs> I Actually, the art of the Loxodon actually looks pretty cool because I thought like the art of the Loxodon comes much later than this section. Mm -hmm. um, but when I saw it, I was like, oh, no, that's actually really cool. Right, it didn't look like Babar. Right. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Uh, but anyway, so they get con and wisdom, uh, a long lifespan. They get the same powerful build ability, which uh, like Goliath and Centaur get, so they get more carrying capacity. Um, their main thing is advantage versus charm and frighten effects. 
they also they also have a different kind of AC calculation. It's 12 plus your con modifier, and if you're wearing armor, you take the higher of whichever of those, uh, which means that like you can put on some some leather. Like 12 plus con actually is like really good. Oh, uh, okay. Depending, although I guess you're no, you're plus two con. Like it's quite possible you'll be a melee character with a high high con. Yeah. But I guess you'd have to be not a barbarian. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like it... I don't know. It seems fine. Um, then you get like the main flavor ability is a prehensile trunk, which lets you do things and manipulate things, but not actually take like attack or spell casting actions. Yeah, it's sort of like a differently flavored mage hand, mm-hmm. but it's cool. And you get keen smell. Uh, there is a little sidebar that does a rule clarification that says that if you have different uh, features that give you a different way to calculate your AC, you choose... I think this is actually technically an update to the previous rules. Like the multi-classing rules say, if there are more than if you have more than one way to calculate, you have to go with the first one that you get. So actually, this kind of helps out. I don't know, barbarian monk multi-classes. Yeah, I mean, this just makes more sense. <laughs> then we get a minotaur, <laughs> the fourth minotaur that we've gotten, but it's the first official one. So plus two strength, obviously, plus one con, and a d6 horn natural weapon. Yeah, and then the Minotaur is mostly flavored around things to do with your horns. So um, you can make a bonus action attack with your horns after you take the dash action. And you get a bonus shove after you hit. And I like this. Um, rather than giving them the half-orcs menacing uh, quality, which gives you automatic proficiency in intimidation, you can choose intimidation or persuasion because uh, you're, you're, you are a presence. You know, people might be scared of you, but they also might um, they might find you uh, very persuasive just because you're you're giant and, you know, <laughs> someone to look up to. You know, it's actually it's funny that you mentioned half orcs. Uh, they don't exist in Ravnica. We didn't really talk about the, the core. Oh, they races. took stuff out. I didn't even know. They took yeah, stuff yeah, out. yeah. So there's only humans and elves out of the core races. No dwarves. All right, next up we have the Simic Hybrid. Um, they are genetically engineered humanoids. They like were humanoids, uh, and then they join um, the Simic Combine, which is one of the guilds. We'll get into that later. Uh, and then they like have different animal appendages or adaptations that are sort of grown into them. So they get Con, uh, Dark Vision, and at first level you choose an animal enhancement. That can be a gliding not really gliding speed, but you can glide. You can get a climb speed or a swim speed along with being amphibious, which is pretty great at first level, swim speed and amphibious. Yeah, that or the, the glide ability is really cool. Um, it oh, lets, right, yeah, you reduce falling damage by 100 feet. Right, and however much you reduce it by also lets you travel horizontally, mm-hmm. uh, double that distance. So um, that's kind of a neat mobility thing that is very flavorful, though probably not all that useful. Uh, and then at fifth level, you get another one of these enhancements. You can get grappling appendages, uh, an AC bonus, or you can spit acid, which is like kind of like a weak cantrip. Next up, we have Vidalkin, which are just blue people. Yeah, they're they're tall gnomes, tall blue gnomes, <laughs> basically. <laughs> they're uh, level-headed and logical, I guess. Tall blue Vulcan gnomes, plus two intelligence. They've got a long lifespan, and they get advantage on all mental saving throws, intelligence, wisdom, charisma. This is better than the gnome uh, feature. Because it's not just against magic, it's just all mental saving throws. 
They also get tireless precision, which lets you choose from a list of skills and then gives you a uh, D4 bonus to uh, skill checks with that ability. And for some reason, they can breathe underwater for an hour. <laughs> Partially amphibious. Yeah. <laughs> also, they can they can breathe underwater for an hour uh, once per long rest. Oh, okay. <laughs> or ish. What if you breathe underwater for 59 minutes and then surface? Does it reset? Uh, it No, you have to take the long rest to reset your hour. Uh, see, this is why I bring along those clockwork guardians that we were fighting. Yeah, yeah. I make sure I don't destroy one so I can time myself when I'm underwater. Right. <laughs> so overall, uh, you know, with one reprinted race and then five new races, pretty good variety here. Yeah, I mean, they took out a bunch of races. So if you're playing Ravnica only, then, you know, you've got a good spread to choose from. If you're looking at these as just additions to the canon... Um, there are some cool ones here. I don't think there's anything particularly like table breaking. I actually would have used the Simic Hybrid as um, the Dalkir uh, half-breed mm. for Lou in the Morning Glory campaign because she had like symbionts that were like sort of grown and I probably would just would have used these and yeah. like, pick one of these. Um, I could also see using the Minotaur, uh, reflavoring some stuff as Thrycreen. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Because of the extra attack abilities. Uh, I am sad to see Labyrinthine Recall gone. Like They're not like immune to the maze spell. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which is just a cool thing that was so flavorful, but I guess that that's very Greek. Yeah. yeah. So next up in the player options section or character creation session section, we get new classes. Ooh, two new subclasses. Yeah, two new subclasses and then a bunch of suggestions on what subclasses make sense for which guilds. Yeah, it's pretty uh, intense. They go through every subclass that's been printed officially, like mm-hmm. in every book, and say, hey, here's a here's a guild you might be interested in. Oh. Okay, everything but Sword Coast Adventures Guide, because, you know, go screw Faroon. <laughs> All the Xanathar's ones. I mean, who cares about Bladesinger? It's the only one that didn't get I mean, get we got reprinted. a lot of Skag uh, reprinted anyway. Yeah. All right, first up is the order domain for the cleric. Uh, this is garbage, right? Total garbage. This is actually my favorite domain, and <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, like ever, like, <laughs> like <laughs> literally before recording this, I was like, oh, I am definitely going to play this. And then as we sat down to record it, Cam sent an email for the Eberron game and was like, I'm thinking of playing a cleric, and I was just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he right now he's thinking about forge and um and war, war. right? Yeah. So when he sees this, he'll probably want to play this. Well, this is don't, the, uh, don't bring it up. This is the fun melee cleric. This is the control cleric. Yes. Like I said, <laughs> the fun melee cleric. <laughs> Everything is still based on hitting stuff, which I like. Because you get a bunch of stuff that makes it easier to hit people. So your domain spells, uh, the ones that stick out to me, hold person, mass healing word, and dominate person. You know, I can hit stuff, but I could also just make you hit stuff. Right. It is a it is the melee cleric, so it gets heavy armor and the divine strike ability, not the spellcasting cleric. Um, it also has a lot of warlord type abilities. Um, at higher levels, the target of one of your spells can make an attack as a reaction, like a weapon attack as a reaction, which is really nice. Like I mass healing word everybody, and one of you makes an attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I have to give up my attack in order to heal you because like you're terrible at not dying fine you also make now, an attack now attack yeah exactly <laughs> um and if you use aoe spells any target of your spell or i guess i wouldn't apply for aoe but for anything that mass targets you choose one of the targets mm. 
Uh, you also get, as a channel divinity, you get a mass charm effect. And you can quicken enchantment spells, wisdom all times per day. So five times per day. Yeah, you can cast it as a bonus action if it was normally a one action spell. Uh, isn't hold person uh, an enchantment spell? I believe it is. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. Doesn't that paralyze? Uh, can. Uh, and if someone's paralyzed and you attack them from five, five feet away, doesn't that auto crit? It does. Yeah, okay. Just saying. Cool. It's a high level. I mean, it's like a 14th level ability. Um, but then it's, uh, it's, it's capstone ability is also pretty neat. It's your allies deal extra damage to the target after you deal divine strike damage. Which um, you're doing once per round anyway. Yeah. So it sets, it sets up extra damage on your attacks. Then we have the Circle of Spores Druid. Which I vaguely remember from an Unearthed Arcana at some point. And we thought it was lackluster. And it hasn't changed a whole lot. No, they tried to buff that fungi and it didn't really work. turn out to be a fun guy at all. Oh, hey. Um, yeah, Ooh. I hate myself. So <laughs> for circle <laughs> spells, <laughs> for circle spells, uh, they get some some flavorable things, I guess. Chill Touch, Animate I mean, chill Dead. Touch, chill Touch gives you a melee attack, so fine. Okay. Uh, animate Dead, which lets you, um, you know create zombies um and then blight and cloud kill are two very logical things for you know this kind of aoe druid then at level two you get a halo of spores there are all of these magical spores i think uh, floating within 10 feet of you mm -hmm. and uh if an enemy moves into that range you can use a reaction to deal necrotic damage to them uh -huh. all right that's cool that's fine i mean you're a spellcaster you don't want them to get near you right right yeah uh, this suffers from the problem that a, a fair number of the subclasses in Xanathar suffered from, which was you got a feature at like early levels, and that became the defining feature of your class. And then every other feature you get from now on is dependent on having this feature. Yep, which is limited use. Uh -huh. uh, and in this case, variable length. Yeah. So it lasts up to 10 minutes, but it is based on gaining temp HP, uh, and when you gain those temp HP, once they're gone, the feature ends. So you gain those temp HP by using up your wild shape, which like, all right, fine. I kind of like the idea of being able to cash in wild shape for something other than turning into an animal. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to play a, a druid that never turns into an animal, you could just spend your wild shape doing this. Right. That's kind of cool. Uh, but you get like a middling amount of temp HP. And then, yeah, when that temp HP is gone this ability doesn't work anymore. And also, unlike Wild Shape, you can't heal temp HP in any way. Right. Even gaining more temp HP replaces them. Mm -hmm. So it, like, it ends up being a very short-lived feature. Well, I mean, you could get temp HP and then stay out of the way, right? Uh, sure, except that your spores surround you and all of your abilities are based on those spores. Yeah, because the other thing that you get is you deal additional poison damage with melee attacks. Well, one, poison damage is terrible, and two, now you're being forced into melee. You have temp HP, and you're dealing extra damage. You're going to lose that temp HP very quickly, and now uh, you don't deal extra damage, and you you die. You yeah. die. At later levels, you do get to auto-animate dead five times per day, wisdom mod times per day, um, which, which is nice. It happens immediately. Like, something dies within, I think, 10 feet of you or something like that, and uh, it automatically rises up as a zombie under your control. Right. That's cool. And then uh, as a capstone, you gain immunity to blind, deafened, frightened, poison, and critical hits. Which is nice. I, I mean, yeah, you kind of become a collection of spores is kind of the concept there. So there's no sort of, you have that kind of hive intelligence or hive biology. Yeah, although now you're immune to 
the frightened condition so you don't know enough to leave to like, run away <laughs> <laughs> from melee because you, you shouldn't be in melee right i mean there's also a an ability that lets you like toss your halo of spores um but then you can't target select so it becomes a liability it's a man it's a weird subclass yeah i don't love it also i don't like it all right and that's chapter one there's all your new player options well sort of kinda because chapter two is the guilds 10 of these 10 of these suckers Mm -hmm. Um, and there are some player a few player options that you shouldn't allow at your table unless you're playing in Ravnica. well hold on (laughs) (laughs) not only that but you should require them at your table if you're playing Ravnica the guilds are the whole point here I also agree yeah um, don't, don't go around playing guild lists. That's lame. So for each of the 10 guilds, uh, it has like, they all have the same thing, right? Which is sort of their description and their, their purpose and what the background of that guild is. Yeah. What do they do in Ravnica? And then it gives you charts to provide you three contract uh, contacts, which include an ally in the guild, a rival in the guild, and either an ally or a rival from uh, an external guild. And then it introduces this new system of renown, which is uh, numerical. You actually like increases uh, in in number as you complete tasks and adventures. Right. Uh, and then uh, each guild lists different positions within the guild that you can attain, depending on how much renown you have. You also get guild spells. Uh, each guild has particular spells that are added to the spell list of any spellcaster in that guild. And then as part of that, you get a full background. Um, So the book encourages you, if you're a member of a guild, take the guild's background. Uh, And then you get, you know, that thing you get in a a lot of role-playing games. It lists every single other guild and this particular guild's thoughts on those guilds uh, as displayed as a quote from a member of said guild. Yeah, I had seen that before and didn't like it but for some reason (laughs) it worked for me this time this book is all about turning you around it it kind of is (laughs) like it's a weird thing but um 10 guilds that aren't fitting classic archetypes right like they're all hybrids of various tropes and archetypes um and as we walk through these like it'll make a lot more sense like it really did help to solidify sort of where all these are positioned um because it can be a rather dull read to go through 10 of these things. Well, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start about talk- with talking about Renown, because that was something that I wasn't sure if it was actually new or if that was a system that existed elsewhere. Um, and the new part of this was just the value of Renown to each guild. As far as I can tell, it's new. Okay, so your score starts at 1 within your guild. You have a Renown score of 1. Uh, and it rises by two for each adventure that you complete for the guild. And then you can also increase it during downtime. And if you fail at particular tasks, you can also lose it. And if you you know, do things that uh, affect other guilds, like you could potentially gain renown with other guilds and get bonuses and that sort of stuff. Right. Uh, and then you know, each of the guilds will list like... Um, you know, a sergeant, you know, once you have five renown, you can potentially like you can apply to become a sergeant within the guild. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, um, at 15 renown, uh, you become a captain and uh, you can, you know, command a a squad of 10 people who are like are in the best, the bestiary later in the book, right, etc, etc, etc. Now, I think we might disagree on this. But I think the biggest deal here is the guild spells. Each guild lists ascent, well, it's kind of like domain spells, it lists uh, spells from levels one through five that any spellcaster within the guild can add to their spell list. Yeah, so this is a, I think, a 
big expansion of spell lists for spellcasters who don't have particularly flexible spell lists. Yeah, so I think the Renown system is the most important thing because that's going to affect what you do as characters in Ravnica, right? Like, that's the point. That's what adventuring is. But the guild spells do the most to expand what characters feel like in Ravnica. Uh, Namely, if you're not a spellcaster, you're just missing out on a lot of stuff and spellcasters are cooler and more powerful. It also does a lot to make characters within the same guild feel similar which may not be great in a party, but makes a lot of sense if you know, you're know you trying to world build. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's go through the guilds, and then we can talk a little bit more about like guild spells and uh, renown. So first up is the Azorius Senate. Uh, they are the lawmakers and the police force. They're very much lawful neutral. Like The way toward goodness is through law and no exceptions. Right. Which is interesting because the guild pack enforces laws by its very nature so it was very confusing to me why this exists i think the guild pact only keeps the guilds from annihilating one another but like low level stuff you can still do but it seems like they swear each other in like when they pass laws the guild pact enforces it i i don't know matt it's it's magic the gathering magic it's magic the gathering you know magic. like it's planeswalker magic which is just you know cr50 tier yeah <laughs> magic (laughs) like it's not for players so ignore it uh you get a cool little feature legal authority uh it just means you know you basically have you can flash a badge yeah you could say yeah yeah Yeah. exactly it's a rosette (laughs) it's it's the inquisitor background i am the law right uh the guild spells okay so here's here's where i think the guild spells are a big deal hold person is on the list okay now every uh ninth level caster gets hold person on their list but like Rangers don't. And paladins have to bend over backwards. And it's only level two, right? So, like, I would love to have a hold person on a ranger. And I would look hard at Azoria Senate so that I could, you know, hold person and then, like, have access to, like, auto crit uh, against paralyzed creatures. Now, Azoria Senate isn't the only one that gets hold person, but, like, I feel like it's kind of a big deal. And then you look at level three, you get counterspell. I would love to have counterspell on a ranger. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, Ranger, like, so, so many of these multi-class things, like, you get so few spell slots anyway that, you know, how much can you really invest in counterspell as a Ranger? Okay, but look at Paladin then, because that one, uh, Paladin gets access to anything on its spell list. So by the time you get to level three spells, I mean, maybe I want counterspell today. Sure, sure. Uh, you also get Divination Dominate Person. Oh, oh just those. <laughs> also very good. So the Azoria Senate, uh, the renowned system for them, lets them rise through ranks and ultimately command squads of soldiers. Um, the highest level one actually makes you one of like the three capitals who uh, report only to the guildmaster. Right, uh, which is a, a sphinx, I believe. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, we get a stat block later, actually. Uh, yeah, you're one of the, the top pillars, which is either executive, legislative, or judicial. Right. <laughs> All right, next up is the Boros Legion, which works. If the Azorius Senate makes the laws, the Boros Legion enforces the laws. It's an army, like an actual army run by angels. Um, often lawful, but not always lawful. And they kind of, they, they lean toward good. They like want to do the right thing. They're, they're trying to pursue the cause of justice, but often th- by way of the sword. And the background feature lets you like requisition some equipment. You can stay in the barracks. 
Uh, their guild spells are, uh, should we say fire-themed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> Firebolt, Sacred Flame, Scorching Ray, uh, Wall of Fire, and then uh, fourth level is Death Ward. And these, I like the um, positions you can attain through Renown on with Boros Legion far better than Azorius Senate. You can become a Sky Knight at like five Renown who gets to patrol the sky on a rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can like become a captain who runs a garrison of like thirty different people, and I think a bunch of those are sky knights who, sky are, knights on rocks. who are on rocks. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's really cool. Next up, we have House Demir, which is like the messenger guild who are spies and assassins. Um, they're basically the intelligence committee. Yeah, like so. Apparently, when the guild pact was formed, like there were ten warring factions, and then it sort of magically compelled them sort of to sort of all pick something that they actually did to help the city run. And so, like, Demir is, like, full of spies and assassins and shape changers and stuff. And they're like, oh, we'll deliver messages with yeah. good couriers. <laughs> we'll deliver mail. <laughs> mail bombs. <laughs> uh, I actually really like this background feature. You gain a false identity of a member from a different guild, which means that if everyone in House Demir takes this background, there is nobody in House Demir, which I think is canon. I think for a long time it was a secret guild. Right. Your guild spells, you get a new spell um, in this book. I think it's the only new spell in this book. It's called Encode Thoughts. All it does is uh, create a thought strand. It's a like a memories made made solid, and you can either create one or read one. Um, it's essentially like the memories that you know you put in a pensive in Harry Potter. Uh, you have access to like, Mage Hand and Disguise Self. You get access to Pass Without Trace, which is really nice because that is tough to get on something that's not a Druid or a Ranger. And modify memory, which I think they use constantly. Uh-huh. Next up is the Golgari Swarm, which are like fungus and beetles and oozes that break down all the waste. It's the waste management of the city. It's what everybody finds slightly distasteful. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is actually also what's very interesting is it's not just waste management. So they are also the ones who produce all of the Soylent Green that keeps poor people in Ravnica from oh, starving. Oh, right, right, because uh, it, it's sort of communal and like there's universal basic income, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like. Is not you don't necessarily get a place to live, but everybody gets enough food to eat. Well, it's like everybody, everybody in Ravnica lives at least at like the wretched level yeah. for free. <laughs> no, no one starves to death because you can eat other people right. after they've been processed by the fungi. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, however, like pretty much every guild, uh, they also have a, another side to them that they don't make necessarily public. They are necromancers. They embrace death as a part of life. Uh, and that includes undeath. I think they're actually run by a lich. Uh, you get some fast travel as your background feature because like the whole thing's a city, so you can move through the undercity really quickly. Uh, the guild spells aren't that great. Anime Dead and Cloud Kill are the only ones to sort of pop out to me. They actually have a really rich like diversity though of what their renown can get you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where I think the other ones are pretty straightforward. Like you will be a commander, or mm-hmm. you will be a you know a sky knight, or you'll be a, a spy. Like. Golgari Swarm have spies, they have priests, and then they also have the ability to call in favors from, you know, monsters, like actual freaking monsters. Yeah, I love that. It reminds me of like um, the requisition system um, in Dark Heresy. Those, like, you mean the system where you spend permanent currency and never use it? That one? <laughs> the, the one where you spend influence. Yes, and, the and permanent like a, currency. A, a, yeah. <laughs> you burn influence and a, and a death guard shows up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> if you roll well. 
All right, then we've got the Gruul clans. They're essentially barbarians in the city, and they're not united. They're a bunch of different warring clans. I couldn't really figure out exactly what they do in the city, um, except smash buildings. I don't know if that's something the, bit, the city the city needs done. Yeah, it's it's that's a weird thing, is that Ravnica is entirely a city, but it's not entirely repaired. <laughs> like, there are, like, bands of just rubble fields. Right, the rubble belts. Yeah, uh-huh. and it's like... Uh, I, I guess like the city also has its pattern of death and rebirth and like the gruel clans are their like natural like resistance like it's they're, they're the representation of chaos in the otherwise orderly city right right I mean I guess it could also be like they were one of the ten warring factions and the guild pack says you can't eliminate any guilds right. so here they are yeah I, I mean let's be honest uh, they're clearly the red carts right? yeah yeah I think they are We'll talk about this later. I think they're red-green. Okay. You know, like uh, from Canada. Right, right, right. (laughs) Uh, They can forage in the rubble belt. I think it's just a reprint of the Outlander feature. Um, And their guild spells are meh. Uh, Conjure animals, kind of cool. They can summon mounts with enough renown or lead a warband. Or this is interesting, I found. Once you have enough renown, you can actually challenge the clan chief and become the leader of an actual clan of, of your clan right? right yeah like none of the others let, let you actually become the leader right because the gruel clans don't have and i like one single one leader. single leader uh-huh. yeah all right then the is it league which is actually i think it's probably my favorite guild but it might be everybody's favorite guild yeah i mean they're the fun cool ones right yeah uh-huh they're magical experimenters who are extremely prone to explosives <laughs> And everybody just accepts this. Like, yeah, they're like, yeah, that's like, cool. Oh, yeah, sometimes, that sometimes they explode. Sometimes. You know, because they, they manage the public works. Right. Na- national, right. <laughs> natural cost of doing business with right. the Isit League. Sometimes <laughs> things explode. It's not ideal. Look, about 50 years ago, they killed 10,000 people by accident, but now we have plumbing. Right. <laughs> that is a price I'm willing to pay. Exactly. Uh, they have a feature that is, so I guess, basically city stone cunning. Um, they can get blueprints for different buildings. They they like know where to dig or like how to how to break into uh, particular buildings. Uh, and as makes sense for basically a guild of crazy spellcasters, you get some pretty cool guild spells. Access to shocking grasp, rope trick, which is useful, I think, in a, in a massive city. Mm-hmm. Call lightning, which actually may be less useful. I don't know. I guess as long as you're on the surface. Uh, both conjure minor elementals and conjure elemental uh, and animate objects which is great because there are always tiny objects around and man those things pack a punch yeah and and as a renown they can grow as researchers um, or oversee uh, and eventually can oversee an entire laboratory then we've got the orzhov syndicate which, judging from the name, are not very nice people. Right. If you call them a syndicate, they're <laughs> never good aligned. <laughs> it's like uh, they took every like institution that can be evil and stuck it into this one. Like it's a religion, <laughs> and it's a bank, and it's a crime syndicate, all led by ghosts. Ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I I love this. I love this concept because you're right. They're just like, hey, what's all the bad stuff that people do? Like, or what's all the stuff that bad people are drawn to? Great, we'll just roll it all together. Mm-hmm. I think this is white-black, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we had to give the uh, appearance of doing good things. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love that, yeah, it's a bank, uh, but you can be indebted to them beyond death. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, death and taxes, yep, that's what we do. 
<laughs> also, I like that their like background feature is just you can issue orders to people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. You get hired and hired and it's just, uh, you know, everyone below you in the guild, you just tell them what to do and they have to do it. Right. Uh, now, guild spells, you get guidance. Guidance is great. That's pretty great. Spirit Guardians, which is also amazing. Uh, Blight, Death Warden, <laughs> Gesh. Gesh. <laughs> Gesh on a ranger. <laughs> on a level 17 ranger. <laughs> uh, as you move up, you can become a priest or a knight and then like run a staff of underlings. Then there's the Cold of Rectos, which I also really like this one, like the characterization of this particular guild. Uh, they're entertainers and laborers, and uh, there are like uh, big circuses. This is Cirque du Soleil, mm-hmm. you know. These are these are harlequins. Yeah, right. Except, except <laughs> they also partake in bloody bacchanals and ritualized murder. Yeah, because the cult is actually a cult, and Rakdos is a demon lord. Is a demon, yeah. Who like hangs out? Like oh, everyone yeah. knows. He's like, I mean, he's the patron to many, many warlocks. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> He's not secret leader. No. He's like, hey, there's Rakdos. Yeah. <laughs> that dude murdered like 37 people yesterday at the, at the party. And they loved it. It was great. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's got a stat block later. One of his things is he has this charm aura. I think it's like a DC 26 wisdom save. Anyone who gets near him uh, can it like ends up charmed by him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he can make you do stuff if you're charmed. It's like basically a dominate. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Guild spells, obviously, there's some fire, firebolt. Uh, you get Vicious Mockery, which is an amazing spell. Haste, Wall of Fire, and Dominate Person. And the Renown just lets you become more famous? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just a famous dilettante. <laughs> Look at me. Come, join my cult. <laughs> and then people will. Uh, next up, we have the Selesnia Conclave. Oh, I was calling it Selesnia. I okay. have no idea how it's pronounced. Yeah, that's fine. I'll accept that. I'll accept Selesnia. Um, Silisnaya. Yeah. Silisnaya Conclave. We bring civilization and nature and harmony. We care for community. It's on billboards everywhere. Yeah. They're green billboards. They're made of moss. Yeah. This is like the classic, like white green, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It is a community above all else. I think it's run by like three dryads merged into one along with the world spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lots of like small creatures are are drawn to them because they can't necessarily defend themselves they're i don't know i think green gets kind of shafted a little bit um oh green gets shafted in a in a planet that's only (laughs) only a city you don't say (laughs) yeah you get aura of life and like conjure minor minor elementals is like whatever yeah but with enough renown you can get a pegasus mount that's pretty cool it is pretty cool i mean it's no rock mount no, it's it's really not. Well, I don't know. I want to look at the stats of the rock and the Pegasus. Uh, I feel like the Pegasus is, Pegasus is probably a little more practical either way. You know, like it doesn't scream all the time. Soon rocks are really, really, really big. And you could just put a Pegasus in like a normal stable. Like a rock needs its whole yeah, like gotta, airy and stuff. Tie down the wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're good. You're good. Real pain. Also, like Pegasi are intelligent. <laughs> but anyway. And our last guild is the Simic Combine. This is the one that uh, makes the creepy people with animal parts. The Simic hybrids. Yeah. Uh, they oversee public health. Mm-hmm. And also carry out biological experimentation. If for in the name of health. Hey. Uh, yeah, I think it is like nature is good. Evolution is good. We're going to help it along. Mm-hmm. Um, their whole deal is that they, you know, perform these experiments largely on their members to give them like hybrid animal characteristics. Uh, your background feature is just Sage renamed. 
and your guild spells, uh, the low level ones are kind of meh, but you do get polymorph and creation. And this is cool. You can, as you gain renown, begin adding abilities to like mounts or animal companions or familiars. I think you can like add some of those appendages. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe you can make a beast, a beast master not terrible. No, it can't. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think actually uh, one of the previous ones, the Gruel clans uh, can get some mounts. And I, I, like if I was running a Ravnica campaign and I had a Beastmaster come to me and be like, hey, uh, I got like a CR5 mount. Uh, can I just have that as my beast? I'd be like, yeah, you can have that as your beast. It's, it's still going to be terrible in five levels. <laughs> so as we have kind of alluded to here, uh, 10 guilds, five core colors of magic, each of them pretty well aligned to a pair uh, of magic colors. So now it's interesting. We talked about this before we started recording. Um, nowhere in this book does it talk about mana or colors of mana. Correct. How do you feel about that? I feel like it's missing because that's Magic the Gathering, right? Like that is what I think of if I'm a, particularly if I'm a magic person coming to D&D for Ravnica, um, that's how I think of magic in those terms. See, now I, when I realized this, I thought, hey, that's great. This is a D&D book. I don't want to see anything about colors of mana. However, this book is all about turning it around, right? Um, when I was looking at the guilds and trying to sort of like figure out where they fit uh, into the world, um, like the write-ups of the guilds list alignment options for people in the guilds, but like they're all kind of wishy-washy. It's mm -hmm. like usually lawful, sometimes neutral, occasionally good, right. whatever, you know, because yeah. they don't really fit into the, the nine boxes. I mean, that's not its fault. Nothing fits into the nine boxes. Right. But if you do know the magic color wheel and you look at each of these guilds as a combination of two distinct colors of magic, then they make perfect sense. So what you're saying is missing is a color wheel driven alignment system. I don't know that I would say that is, miss is missing. Because <laughs> I, I don't I, know that I want another alignment system. No, no, I, I, but I do think that's actually like an important part of magic that is a long running like thematic thread of Magic the Gathering that is just completely absent and like you said, one thing that sticks out like a sore thumb is the alignment discussion. So why not plug that in? Even if you don't call it alignment, right? Like, but talk about the alignment of of like magic to these colors, even if it's just like at a kind of more descriptive level. But I could see myself being grumpy if there were like three pages taken up by explaining the like color wheel alignment system. And I think it would take that much because I sort of I feel like I innately understand that like Red is chaos, right? But it's also war and blood and fire and like mountains and earth. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like all of those mixed together. Sure. Um, because I played it for so long. Isn't but. this a sidebar though? Like, isn't isn't all of that stuff is just a sidebar? I feel like that's a long sidebar because then like it, it takes How about a while. Five sidebars. It takes a while to intuit the, then the combinations of those, right? Like, okay, now I get red. How does red and white? look how does red and blue look together um and yeah you can you can look at the descriptions of of the guilds um but i don't know i feel like if you had no concept of magic the gathering before coming to that it would be confusing now i don't know is there anybody who's going to read this book who has who knows nothing about magic the gathering like yeah a good is, question is this book only for 
magic players who are going to end up playing D&D or are there D&D players who are going to be like, ooh, what's this setting? And who also genuinely don't know what Magic the Gathering is. Yeah, I don't I don't know what that Venn yeah. diagram looks like. Yeah, I don't know. I, right. That's fair. I, I just To me, that is just a thing that's missing. Um, I, and it I, explains some of the things where you're like, oh, and you can be amphibious for some reason. It's like, because well, <laughs> that whole blue. race is blue. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> blue is water, dude. <laughs> they're the blue people. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, and, and same thing, you know, like the... Um, the the spore uh or circle of spores like mm-hmm. that's clearly a black green yeah. druid subclass mm-hmm. most druids are green that's a black green it's fine you know yeah i'm done with it all right before we move on to the next chapter this episode is also brought to you by genuine fantasy press which is giving away a free version of the new book the compendium of forgotten secrets awakening there's that colon again yep that's how you sell things Colons. Total party thrill. <laughs> Total colon party, party thrill. thrill. <laughs> you can get a copy of that book, Compendium of Forgotten Secrets Awakening, at GenuineFantasyPress.com. It, like Ravnica, is a book for 5th edition D&D. All of the player content is included in the free version, unlike Ravnica. Yeah, what's in that free version? Uh, well, it's 125 pages, so it's a lot. Because there's 34 new subclasses, which I believe is 17 times the number of new subclasses in Ravnica. That's true. 17 new warlock patrons and familiars, which is uh, an infinite number of times more warlock patrons and familiars than is in Ravnica. And there are over seven, 175 new spells and invocations, which is 175 times the number of spells and invocations in Ravnica. Ten new races, dozens of campaign hooks. We'll let you do the math on the races. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think it's double. There's uh, 190 pages of content. You're getting 125 for free if you want the free version. The book is designed to work with both classic and homebrew settings and gives you ideas for your world and game. Uh, is it an insult to call Ravnica a homebrew setting? Uh, it was somebody's homebrew, isn't it? That's what I'm going to go with. Yeah. Uh, this is a nice homebrew setting. Right. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's, it's like Richard Garfield's homebrew setting. <laughs> you put this together uh, yourself, did you? <laughs> Back to Compendium of Forgotten <laughs> Secrets Awakening. It is full of beautiful full-color artwork. And it's available internationally in hardcover on Amazon. That's Compendium of Forgotten Secrets Awakening, available for free from Genuine Fantasy Press. Inspiring adventure. So, back to Ravnica. Chapter 3. Oh, actually, no, we should talk about the Renown system. Like, how you liked it. Love it. That's interesting. Okay, so, I love the idea of it. High overhead to homebrew around it. Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, that's kind of my my bigger complaint with it, um, but I like it. Okay, maybe you'll convince me otherwise, but I, I feel like, okay, if you are playing a party that is all in one guild, it's useful, right? Uh, you know, we all can aspire to different positions, but then I feel like your game is just like the grind of getting to the next position, and you're basically just getting ordered around by like people higher up mm-hmm. in the guild yes yeah okay so like i guess if that's a a game that that you want to play but i don't really see how it works when you have a party that is uh composed of multiple people from different guilds because then everyone is getting pulled in these random directions about like i want to be like a sky wojek and like i want to run a clan and like i want to like make people into animals over here and you know we're working higher and higher up and our loyalties are getting more and more divided I feel like it would be very hard to incorporate. Like, think of it this way. In an Eberron game, you probably couldn't have 
multiple characters working their way up higher in different houses within the same party. But there's plenty to do outside of the houses. You know, like not everyone has to be in a house. It's fine to be quote unquote guildless because there's so many other things to do. But here you got to be in a guild. I, that's so yes. But I guess the flip side of of that argument then is like that's what downtime activities for. And that's a huge gap in D&D mm -hmm. in general is like filling the downtime activities. Um, and also like there are in the very front, like why does your party come together? Right. Like and there are plot hooks throughout that kind of explain what you should be doing. Like, what are the types of plots that would bring in diverse groups from multiple guilds? Like, what are the types of problems that need to be solved through cooperation and not just, you know, constant undercutting? Okay, so I can see that if you're using Renown sort of like as background world building, like, what have you been doing over the last three months? I became a Wojak. Right. I ride a rock around now. Mm -hmm. And like, okay, we begin in media res. Where are you? I'm in the sky. Of course, I'm in the sky. I'm patrolling. I, I could get behind that. I could I could see that. And that still gives you resources, right? Like those are still things that you can call on. Maybe not in a dungeon, right? For all of them, but actually, I bet you could because like, there's no dungeon away from civilization in Ravnica, right? Well, like sort of. You're like uh, your Golgari in the party can like get anybody anywhere. True. There are certainly ways to isolate players, right, from all of their resources. That's not uncommon in D&D. I don't think that's any less common in Ravnica. Yeah, rocks fall. You're trapped. Yeah, rocks fall. You fly. Uh, I do like that you mentioned downtime, though, because you look at the numbers, and, like, the high end of Renown is 50. Yeah, that's a lot of adventure. I'm not sure how you get to 50. Without downtime. Yeah, like, you're going to hit level 20 long before you get to 50. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, all yeah. Right. I mean, I think that's the answer. I, I, I think it works. Um, and... Even if you never actually hit that high in your renown, it shows what the path within your guild looks like, which tells you about how the guild is structured and how it's ordered and like what the average guild member is trying to do. It's a lot of pages. It is a lot of pages. It is most of the book. <laughs> and a little bit of a slog. It's the kind of thing where you want to like read a couple and then flip away to read some other part of the book and then come back. Yeah. Well, we read it for you. So yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> All right, now, where are you going to do all this cool stuff with your new subclass abilities and your new guild? You are going to do it in the home of all of the guild headquarters, the 10th district. That's right. Ravnica is a city the size of a planet. Uh, that's too big a campaign setting. Way too big. <laughs> you can't do stuff. Uh, like, like that's a, that's a lot, uh -huh. right? There's no oceans where there's nothing. Right. <laughs> So instead, most of the action is confined to this teeny tiny, relatively speaking. This teeny tiny uh, quarter <laughs> of the entire planet. <laughs> the 10th district. Now, the 10th district is divided into six different precincts, which this chapter maps out. And we're going to run through very quickly. Each precinct has a map. It is a list of the affiliated, guil affiliated guilds that are prominent within this particular district. It lists the neighborhoods and landmarks, the available goods and services, what law and crime looks like, and there are tables for the kinds of people and rumors that you might stumble across within this particular precinct. Uh-huh. They're pretty looking maps. I like them. They're like isometric maps. And uh, that's chapter three. <laughs> yeah. How many pages is chapter three? I don't know. It's a fair number of pages, but like, it's just like the same thing six times. It's mostly maps. <laughs> it's it's a lot of maps. <laughs> Like, if you're going to play in the 10th District, it, it's, it will be interesting. If uh, you're doing your own Ravnica stuff, then, like, you don't need it. Yeah, one thing that I do like is it has 
the maps, but it also has artwork of the districts, mm. which kind of helps solidify the theme of that district. You know, like they're all because it's magic, so things are very colorful. Um, so it just helps keep them apart. Like right, one it's is very like, primary colorful. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> oh, it's like that golden gilded district, and oh, it's that like mysterious like blue green district. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. There are um, there are art pieces from the perspective of people on the ground. Like the street view, if you will. Or or the sky view. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Chapter four is about creating adventures in Ravnica. You get a lot of random tables in this chapter that help you craft an adventure featuring each one of the guilds. Ten guilds. And for each one of them, we get lists and tables. There's a suggestion of a location that uh, you might play in that is important to that particular guild. And you get an actual map of the layout of that location. There's a table for what you might do when you actually get to that location. Uh, and there are a bunch more tables. Yeah, you get tables for like villains from that guild, character goals for that guild, more adventure hooks. Uh, and then they do a pretty good job of showing you how it's done. There's an 11-page little mini-adventure for first level. Uh, you're tracking a goblin gang boss to his hideout, and you're going to capture him. Yeah, so based on that 11-page adventure, what do you think of Ravnica as a campaign setting? Right, because really that should be the place where you look where it's like, cool, like get into this setting, be grabbed by its themes, right? Let me show that off. I understand that goblins play a big role in Ravnica, apparently, um, but I don't think they should have used a goblin and like a goblin gang as the main focus of this adventure because like it just feels like D&D in a big city. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't find anything particularly strange or wondrous um there was nothing that really introduced me um like if this had taken place inside the is it league and like there are crazy people making like elemental weirds and you know like like blasting what is it mizium yeah uh, out of like magma mortars i would have been like oh this is new and weird right or if you had to like go into the undercity to like find the golgari like oh yeah talk something to, like, going on with the golgari people form. made of beetles strange things are going on down there that are just completely foreign to D D. right That's but yeah kind of a better backdrop right this is very much like find a goblin rogue okay yeah i guess on the other hand it's portable <laughs> yeah that's true you can steal it also you can survive it right <laughs> <laughs> all right there's a little more player content here chapter five treasures uh, we get some magic items. A fair number of magic items, actually. A fair number of very Magic the Gathering magic items. Yes, you're right. Uh, we get a lot of magic items that there are 10 of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are guild charms, which are single-use items that cast a few spells, usually like a third-level spell, or cause a small boon, um, and then they disappear once you use them. One for each guild. There are guild key runes, which are attainable at 25 renown. They turn into creatures, uh, sort of like figurines of power. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I guess the, I think the the creature is like the the animal S- symbol, of the guild, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, there are guild signet rings, which cast a particular low level spell three times a day. Those are neat. Uh, and then and then we jump like we skyrocket in power because we get the very rare illusionist's bracers, which let you auto quicken cantrips automatically. Yay. Um. So when you cast a cantrip on your turn, you can then use a bonus action to cast that cantrip again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, very, very good for warlocks. Yes. What warlock would not want these things? Not sure which illusionist is looking for it, though. Yeah. Um, 
I would I would venture to say that this is like broken. Like think of this with a Sword Coast Adventures guide cantrip. Okay, right now you're playing in our Dark Sun game a Bladesinger. Bladesinger rogue, right? Yes. Would you care about getting extra attack if you had these bracers and could just green flame blade twice? Uh, I already don't care about extra attack. Okay. <laughs> That's why I failed on the class. <laughs> um, I've got an arcane trickster, uh-huh. and I there is no reason not to have these things. Mm-hmm. Like I, I actually, it's, I'm hard pressed to think of a spellcaster who wouldn't want these things, even ones who aren't necessarily attacking. Like my druid wants to be able to mold earth twice as fast to dig. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be able to guidance two people. Right. The only thing it doesn't help is shillelagh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing is like. It's super, super strong for literally anybody. Yeah. Right? Like, including most melee characters who have a single level of spellcasting. Mm-hmm. It's it's absurd. <laughs> Don't allow that item. No. I, maybe it's fine for Ravnica. It just doesn't make any sense for the rest of D&D. No. Uh, some of the other items, though, we're not going to go through all of them, but some of them do really feel like, hey, this is a new place. There's the Mizium apparatus. So let's talk about Mizium before because there's a, there's a couple Mizium's we're going to talk about. Oh, so, good. Talk about Mizium because I don't really understand Mizium. So, so Mizium is like magic metal. It's just magic infused metal. Okay. It's, it's like residuum, but it's metal, liquid metal. B- yeah, basically. Can be. Right. Oh, it doesn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it gives you like super magic armor, right? So it's like a adamantine plus one. All right. So there is Mizium armor, for example, integrate negates critical hits and. Uh, essentially gives you evasion for strength and constitution saving throws, which I don't know how many of those there are, but still pretty cool. I I mean, con saves happen for sure. Con saves definitely. Well, if you take, yeah, if you're going to take half damage from something, I guess cone of cold. Yeah. And a lot of uh, strength saving so- throws happen on grapple effects for monsters. Oh. Yeah. A lot of the ones that like uh, auto grapple on hits. All right. Sign me up. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, druids. Yeah. Yeah. It's metal. Uh, the Mizium Apparatus, which I think is very much like an Is It League thing, it's an Arcana check to attempt to cast a spell on your list. It's actually a pretty difficult Arcana check. Um, to cast any spell on your list that like you have slots for and like could potentially cast, but you just don't happen to have it prepared or you don't know it, uh, that's super flexible. But I do kind of love that if you fail the Arcana check, there's a table of random spells of that level that you're instead going to cast by accident. Whoops. This is an uncommon. This is everybody's a wild magic sorcerer. Yes. For an uncommon. Um, That also means you have to now have full system mastery of your entire spell list, which is also expanded by this book. Uh, Make people... Like give people three seconds to say what you're going to cast. Yeah. That's it. Not like, (laughs) hold on, let me see what what else spells I have. Uh, It's a good way to sell PHPs. (laughs) Everyone's going to need a copy. (laughs) And then the other thing that stuck, the other item that sort of stuck out to me was the sword of the the Perons, uh, which is very much a, a warlord weapon. It's a plus one longsword, very rare. Uh, but when you attack, you can let someone else attack with a reaction. Or if you dash, uh, someone else can move their speed. Or if you dodge, someone else can dodge. It's extremely warlordy. Uh huh. I would actually love to put it on a, a rogue. Because like you can do so many of these things. Um, there's also some cool like legendaries that I think make a lot of sense. Um, the uh, so we talked about the cult of Rakdos, right? Which has like you know crazy parties and then uh, ritual murders. So <laughs> yeah, crazy parties. <laughs> yeah, crazy parties ending up in ritual murders. That's why they're crazy. 
Um, but they have like the the Rakdos right knife, yeah, which is like Soul Drinker, but just better, right? Like so, when you kill things with it, it grabs their soul, um, stores it in the knife, and then does more damage. So an extra D four damage per soul on a hit, up to five souls. Yeah, so it can be a six D four dagger. Dagger, yeah. right? But then it also lets you drink those souls to regain hit points. Mm-hmm. Or if you have five souls, you can channel them into its annihilation ability, which is just a what finger of death. Right? It's a just a save or die if they have less than seventy five hit points. Yeah, save or die. Yeah. Uh, is this too strong? Ah, it's legendary. It's legendary. Who cares? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's dope. <laughs> I really like the Sunforger. I think Jim actually uh, noticed this and picked it out because he was looking for a, a Warhammer. It's a plus two Warhammer. That's cool. Um, you can throw it and then it explodes in a fireball. <laughs> Love it. And then shows up again, and you can call it back to your hand. I mean, you can only do that once per encounter, but who cares? You threw a Warhammer and exploded in a fireball. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this section is weird. It's fun. I don't know that I want to be porting many of these things into my other D&D campaigns. And yeah, I'm, I agree. I'm also not sure how to quite manage their power level even in a Ravnica game, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, the only one I see a huge problem with is the Illusionist Bracers. Um everything else i mean you know magic items in in 5e like are not bound at all by their rarity right right i mean everything else seems like generally okay i mean some of this stuff is maybe just a little too random a little too wonky or wacky mm-hmm. um and do you want to introduce the concept of a museum or do you just want to reflavor it right okay so then moving on chapter six is friends and foes this is your best theory. So first off, you get a list of creatures from, uh, I guess, the Monster Manual and uh, Morden Canons. Hold on, hold on. First off, you get an absurdly awesome picture, like a painting <laughs> of a like Godzilla-sized T-Rex with claws, uh, like with Im- with like, like crab, crab claws, claws uh-huh. fighting a gigantic tree person <laughs> with crab claws. And like bits of metal armor bonded to it in like a way that would be cheesecake, but it's a tree person. It's it's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> like over, you know, the ruins of a city. It's well, it, it's a great piece of art. Okay, we're already talking about this. Let's let's just go ahead and talk about the art. Like oh, as... w- way better than D D art. Can oh we just God. agree? Yes. Like, magic art is so much better. Uh, just steal all of the magic art from now on. That is exactly what I was gonna say. Like, as you would expect from like an IP based on Magic the Gathering, like they had access to the artists. The, the art is amazing in this book. Yeah, I don't. I assume, like, I can look at many of these and see, like, this was very likely used on a card. Um, I know some pieces are clearly new, like, uh, specific icons and things like that. But, like, oh, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. I remember when I, like, would play Magic. Like, I mean, it's it's a tiny little portrait, right? But, like, you can really see the detail in it. And when you actually see, like full size mm-hmm. like the full size art that someone did for a magic card like, you're like oh whoa like what they used to publish in like inquest and right. scry you're yeah like, oh my god that's that's, that's insane awesome. and like that's the stuff you're getting in this book right like there's some amazing like the museum apparatus like that is my my steampunk dreams for for magic like it's such an eberron photo it's like the the power claw <laughs> Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's like, right, the, it's like, like arc, the Infinity Gauntlet, right, actually. It's like kind arc of. lightning everywhere. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's even got like um, He's got like, like a, a backpack power cell. Right. It's like he's, great. he's got his uh, little like uh, Tony Stark arc reactor, although he's got one on his chest and one on his belly. <laughs> <laughs> 
anyway, this is an art-heavy section, um, so it makes sense to talk about this because this is the bestiary. So after the list of creatures um, associated with each guild, it does give you the the rundown, like another breakdown of all the creatures listed by type, um, which is helpful, though they didn't put page numbers in this section, so it's like difficult to reference. Uh, speaking of that, there's no appendix at all. Right. Like the book just ends. Yeah. Like uh, actually after this section, like the there's a stat block for the last creature in this book and then done. So I was like, really? really? Is page missing? Let's, <laughs> someone rip out a page? Ended on a high note, I guess. Now we do get new angels, some low level angels, which is interesting. We also get evil, an uh, evil angel. Because evil angels are a very magic thing, right? Like yeah. black mm-hmm. angels mm-hmm. are totally a thing i mean it was a 4e thing too they introduced that and i think people were like i don't know how i feel about this yeah well they're here and they're here to stay and you know they're they're pretty impressive Mm -hmm. in terms of like their capabilities yeah and they also have like i mean if you if you want a good fire themed monster like and of which admittedly there are many in D &D, like i think they're they're pretty cool they're very fire radiant you know light oriented right except for the evil one which is very like darkness death yeah crowd yeah right <laughs> i think uh she's an orzob angel which is very much like um hey i own you yeah <laughs> it's like a succubus that's the word <laughs> we won't go through every one of these things um the conclave dryad i thought was interesting because they get an ability where they pick a magic item and suppress its abilities and it's a recharge we haven't seen that before mm-hmm. in 5e uh, it seems like a huge pain in the ass in terms of like table management. Oh yeah, because now you're like you have a sheet and just ignore pieces of it. Right. Uh, and if it's you know a buffing item like that changes stats, it could be lots of fiddly math. Right. Um. I mean, it is. Uh. It's flavorful for uh these this particular guild. Right. It's like all about nature and like making sure that um like crazy arcane magic doesn't necessarily take over. So I I get it. Um, it's an ability I'd like to have as a GM when I'm building a creature. Uh, I just think it's probably going to be complicated. Right. Something I was very happy to see is a mid-level lich. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, liches are one of those themes of monsters that's a little frustrating because you can get them at, what, like CR3 is the uh, the skull, and then they don't show up again until like demi-lich at CR15. Yeah, and then you're, you're basically looking at epic. Yeah. Uh-huh. So now that there's a genuine like mid-level like CR10 lich, um, a, pra- that, a practice lich, right, yeah, exactly, <laughs> baby's first lich, <laughs> um, that feels like a good early-level arch-villain that lets you kind of grow beyond that. Yeah, I mean, this is a theme you're probably going to hear us harp about during this chapter. Is like we love to see monsters at different CRs than you typically see them at, because one of the big problems with certain kinds of D and D monsters is like there's a narrow band at which you you can fight them. Uh, and then they're gone forever. So, you know, like, I love to see very high-level goblins. You don't get a whole lot of those. Right. Uh, we did get some low-level giants. Giants that are, like, baby giants. I mean, they're giants, right? But, like, they're lower CR than, like, you know, hill, level hill 9 hill giant. Right. To level 14 storm giant, and we're done. Yeah. Uh, there are some horrors that cause madness and various customizable abilities. Yeah, depending on the number of times that you fail a save against their horror effect, that's that's how severe a madness you get from the DMG. Like short-term, long-term, or like an indefinite madness. Those can be difficult to run with, but I think we did an entire uh, episode on mm-hmm. madness. That mm-hmm. might help. Yeah. Uh, and they're really customizable, these horrors. You can switch up a lot about them. A fair number of monsters actually here in this bestiary are customizable. 
which I thought was really interesting. Yep. Next up are the is it elementals. These are uh, lower level elementals that just kind of give you more variety. Um, I think these are just very highly magic themed elementals. Right. They're like mergers of the traditional elements, I think. Mm-hmm. Right? Weirds yeah. is what they're called. Yeah. Uh, the Simic Combine makes monsters called a, a crisis. Not a crisis. A crisis. I think the crisis is actually the creature that's in that opening art. Oh, I think you're totally right. Yeah, uh-huh. like the level three right. crisis. It's, it's the it's the T Rex with the crab claws. Right. Yeah. Um, they are CR one, CR six, or CR sixteen, and you start with a base model, and then you customize them with different kinds of like crazy appendages or like animal abilities or you know like crazy kaiju abilities. So, I I love this concept. Uh, I like that they're customizable. I like the CR bands that they're in for that customizability. I hate the names. Oh, Crassus level one, two, and three? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> give me names. Like, give me sample names or something. Give me something inspirational about this. Level one Crassus is the most boring thing I've ever heard. I agree. Uh, is it a very Simic combine thing? I have no idea. Uh, no clue. <laughs> Skip that section. Also, no, don't care. Right. Yeah. Sorry, it's category one, two, and three. Yeah, right. <laughs> Great, thanks. That maybe does sound like a Simic Combine thing, though. You know, it's like, they're Category 1. They only show these, and whatever. It should be more creative. Blue and green. Uh, then there are some low-level vampires, which is... Love it. Great filler. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, not filler, but, like, great at filling a gap in the level range. Yeah. Uh, and then we get um, a section on guild creatures. So it goes through each of the, count them, 10 guilds. It gives you low-level creatures for each guild, plus the guild master, which is a nice... Well, a small but nice selection of higher level epic monsters. From Azorius, we get Esperia, a CR21 Sphinx. Uh, she has this ability called Supreme Legal Authority, which I love because, like, one, what a name for an ability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, she has a crazy high intelligence saving throw, or she picks an action that the target can't do for a minute. This is absolutely what, like, the lawkeeper in a giant city... Like, this is the ability that lawkeeper would have, right? right. Oh, I want to break up a fight? Great, none of you can attack. <laughs> or, I want to make a fight lopsided? You can't attack. Right. <laughs> uh, we get a CR-23 angel uh, who leads the Boros Legion uh, and a CR-17 shape changer uh, who leads House Demir. Um, so there's some other cool ones in here and, and some cool, like actions that that come out of that so jared who is the um, cr22 spore druid lich he's terrible terrible build no true but <laughs> it's another lich right yeah and and yeah i think it's our highest level lich um and a different kind of lich we usually get arcane liches right um there's nev mizzet who is from the leader of the is league that's a cr26 red blue dragon hybrid um which basically means like take a red dragon add all the blue dragon abilities and concentrate it two spells at once. Yeah. Oh, and he has 20 levels of spell casting. Dope. And like a good spell list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is uh, maybe what I would use as a template for uh, the dragon, Boris from Dark Sun, that we got a question in one of our mailbags one time. How to, how to build him. Like high level dragon with a lot of spells. Yeah. Also, I was happy to see he has 370 hit points, which feels like enough hit points. There are also the Orlov Ghosts, which, um, of course, you know, banker ghosts. Yeah. Uh, this is like, um, these are like the guys who visit Scrooge. 
the ghosts of <laughs> of, the of uh death Christmas past, past present and future <laughs> <laughs> okay so they're only cr8 right and like they they lead a, a guild fine whatever but there are five of them and i love that each of them has an action where they summon the other four and then sort of like a hag coven when they're all five together they have legendary actions and they can do crazy stuff you get Rakdos, which is nice to just get another high-level demon lord uh, in addition to what we got in uh, what Tome of Foes. Yep. And as you mentioned previously, uh, Rakdos has a charm aura, um, which he can then use to force attacks from charm creatures. And then uh, green gets screwed over again, right? Um, Trostani is a, just a CR-18 fey that is a druid combined with two other druids. Uh, sorry, a, a dryad combined with two other dryads. Yeah. Uh, not very strong, not really cool abilities. And same with Zagana, a CR-16 Merfolk, who leads the Simic Combine. I'm not sure why they're only CR-16. Right. You may want to add some, like, monster appendages or something. Right. <laughs> get get big, I mean, you know? Presuma- get swole. Presumably because, like, Zagana isn't going to be found without some stage 3 Crassus. Crassies? Crassice? Crassices. Precisely. <laughs> um, and that's the book. I mean, that's where it ends. The whole book. Yep. All right, so like we said, no appendix. The art is hype. I love it. Art is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So some people have mentioned this before, and I think I share some of these concerns. Uh, does this step on Eberron or Planescape's toes? Yes, but also don't care. It's different enough for me, and also like so clearly based on different assumptions of like what characters are that I don't think it's really going to replace it. Really, my worry is that we have uh, a very urban setting here with high magic that is uh, anachronistic and in many ways very modern. Um, And my worry is that the design team will then not necessarily want to put out another one that also hits those same themes. Um, You know, devoting actual time to uh, making Eberron official or bringing back Planescape. Although I guess Planescape is much more feudal in feeling. Yeah, and also like... Eberron just got a full Adventures League season uh, set in Sharn, and there's a ton of space to explore that is nothing like an urban environment. Okay, but I'm very greedy. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Sharn is a really cool thing about Eberron that has been very thoroughly explored previously, and I don't know that it necessarily needs a whole lot of extra rules in order to bring it to life, so I don't think there's a lot of conflict there. I will say that a lot of the information here is very portable in terms of bringing it over to other urban settings like Ebron and Planescape. Like the Renown, I think, would work really well for the factions in Planescape, in mm-hmm. Sigil. Mm-hmm. You could just sort of rename them. It would work very well for like any campaign where you want players invested in organizations outside of their own murder hoboists. Murder hoboishness. I have renown fifteen in murder hobo. Right. Well, <laughs> then you're gonna have to murder hobo somebody everybody every every day. <laughs> that guy that I just stabbed and took all his stuff. He knew who I was before he died. Exactly. <laughs> the famous murder hobo. <laughs> Maybe it's because you keep screaming your name when you attack him. <laughs> but if you kill them all, how do they know your name? No. <laughs> so the only thing, like I said earlier, is there's pretty high overhead to this. You've really like gotta be regimented in planning ahead mm-hmm. and like publish these things to players which I don't necessarily love um, as a portable mechanic but I think the concept of renown and the concept of like giving these types of rewards uh, is great and I I mean I I think most games would be better served by introducing that kind of element 
You're right that players definitely need to know what these options are ahead of time so that they can, they can plan for it. Definitely. Or don't and just use them as rewards. Hey, you're a Wojek. Oh, I hate lame promotions with with no pay upgrade yeah exactly it's not a promotion it's just it's more work more work <laughs> you've promoted me from sales to management i don't get commission anymore what's the point taking all the breaks all right so what do you think of ravnica as a setting uh it's fine there's very cool things in it um i i'm not as invested in ravnica as a setting as i think other people might be um, it's it's a little weird. Yeah, um, I mean it's not as bad as Forgotten Realms. <laughs> no, that's but that's the thing. It's like yeah, right. It's that I love other D and D settings more, and Ravnica is kind of the new one at the table. I like it more than Forgotten Realms, mm-hmm. and probably every other setting except Planescape and Eberron. Oh, interesting. More than Dark Sun. Well, yeah, fair. Dark Sun too. Okay, but yeah, like it's so those I are like my top three. Than, I it's like it more than Mustara, I guess. You know. Well, sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't particularly care about Dragonlands. Yeah, I don't care about Dragonlands or at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I I enjoy Birthright, but I think Ravnica is cooler. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like I, I like the interactions between the guilds, but it does feel to me like that's all of it. You know, like the rest of it is just sort of like that's uh, a big city. You know, mm-hmm. um, and if it doesn't have to do with the interactions between the guilds, then like, what's the point of it? Right. Um, and it does feel a little bit like. In something like Eberron, I know we keep harping on that, but like the interactions between the power players and the organizations make a lot of sense in terms of the world building and in terms of like the history and like how people act. But in this, I'm like, why are the girl clans here? Yeah. So so I, I think actually back that up a bit, it's it's less that even specific. What it is is like to set up these interactions between multiple power groups and make them interesting. They can't just be in stasis or scheming for the sake of scheming, right? Like you have to upset the balance with external events in order to like test the way that those ripples like affect the various power players in the environment, right? So Eberron does that with the last war and the day of mourning. It does that with the um, Dalkir. It does that with the Lords of Dust, right? Like there are all types of different groups that are external that are meant to upset the apple cart mm-hmm. um, and and challenge the detente, right? And like reignite all of the that distrust. I didn't see that piece of this in in Ravnica. Like, what is what is it that's driving the guilds to do something? Why are they like? How are they gaining power if they're just locked into a magical stalemate? Right. A lot of it feels like everyone is the cult of Rakdos. Like, why do you do what you do? It's because I'm red black. Right. You know, like, this is who we are. Right. Um, and yeah, there are, throughout the book, it's hinted that, like, the guild pact was broken, but they don't really explain how it was broken. I think it took place in, like, some novels that were written, like, 10 years ago. Is that true? I, th- I believe so. Okay. Great. I, don't quote me. I don't think those were mentioned in the introduction, if no, that's true. No, I don't, I don't they think they mentioned, I, like, the I don't three think they were sets, at all. Right. But yeah. Like, like, it says that this Ravnica is the year 10,076. Which is uh, 76 years after it was restored. Right, exactly. Um, I, it, it seems like there was a Planeswalker involved who was part of the Living Guild Pact now, but like, I am unsure, based on this book, how binding the Guild Pact is. Like, There are references to like the Guild Pact not being around or it kind of being enforced or like, hey, we can't wipe, we can't wipe away that Guild because of the Guild Pact. And I'm like, but really, is it? 
is it here? Is it not? People are trying to undermine it. Like, why? Like, you're one of the small guilds. Aren't you going to be wiped out if mm -hmm. you, like, get rid of the guild pact? I don't understand. But yeah, you're right. The guild pact concept locks things in place. Like, nothing can really change. Like, even if you're at war with another guild, like, you know you can't destroy them. Right. There's the guild pact. Right. So there is this undercurrent that's implied that, like, in order to make something really a big threat to like the status quo and like undermining the guild pack and all that stuff, it has to be like a, a huge conspiracy that is existing like way under the radar, mm -hmm. right? Somebody is very quietly amassing all of the power and then is going to break the guild pack and then win. Um, but then as player characters, what do you do? Like you stop them from doing that. And you maintain the status quo. That's not interesting. That, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so that's the thing is like it needs it's that's what it's missing is that thing of like, what is this huge threat to everybody that binds the characters together into fixing it? And how is that better at the end? Because mm -hmm. right now things aren't exactly great, but they're not terrible. So it's it, it, it lands weird for me there. That said, like... Uh, the, the good is the enemy of the great. <laughs> I'm willing to bet that if they published an adventure, like a full like 1 to 20 adventure in Ravnica, that did some work to make sure like the right guilds were represented in the characters... Um, that were playing it like I think that would be a I would be very interested in seeing what that looked like I think it would be very cool yeah I agree because I, I think you know they initially brought out Ravnica and there was the guild pact and I'm sure the breaking of the guild pact was them being like oh like something's got to happen mm -hmm. yeah all right so we've gotten to the point in every review where we give a yay or nay Shane this is a buy or don't buy unlike some of the previous books I would say that this is a this is a buy on its own merit, and not just because it's the book that's coming out this year. Oh, wow. Wow, look at you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because previously we were like, I mean, what other D&D book are you going to buy? Right. You're going to buy Sword Coast Adventurer's <laughs> Guide because it's the only one they will let you buy. Yeah. I will say in the past we've sort of ranked them, and Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide has sort of shaken out to the bottom. Mm -hmm. Like, if you don't own any books, obviously buy, like, PHP DMG Monster Manual because you need those to play. Right. But other than those, like, get... Volos, maybe Morden Kanan's, mm -hmm. but like, you know, you do not need to get Sword Coast Adventures Guide ever, honestly. Right. And players just need to get Xanathar's Guide. Yeah. Um, do you need Ravnica? No. But I think it actually makes a really good addition. I I agree with you. Like, so we're about to sort of dive back into Eberron. I've got Wayfinder's Guide, which is awesome, but like I'm gonna allow a lot of this stuff at the table. Yeah, I, I might incorporate some renowned stuff. I mean, I'm you know I don't want you playing elephant people, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so so Xanathar's Guide to Everything is clearly in like a separate buying path, right? That's right. the player book. So ignore that. If you're a GM, I think if you buy this, you buy Volos or you buy Morden Canons, you're getting the same value of the bestiary from all three. Like I think they all three have good bestiaries. Right. I mean, they're doing this hybrid book thing. Right. So it's it's what is the other thing that most interests you? Is it a campaign setting and some player options? Is it sort of the deep dive of the history of like these monster groups? Or is it sort of um, a tactical kind of dive into the society and social structure and, and like hands-on tactics of a few monster subtypes? Depending on which of those three things you would rather have bolted on to your second monster manual, um, pick the th one of those three books. Yeah. 
And I will say, if you are a magic player who like dabbles in D&D or like you do both, um, Ravnica is sort of a, a no-brainer. Like buy it and then lean heavy into the color wheel. Mm-hmm. Like you already know what it is. You can use it. You can reference it. Uh, there's there's a lot of room to explore there. If you're a D&D player who doesn't know anything about magic or just does not care about magic, it is very easy to strip out anything that would make you think this has anything to do with magic the gathering i mean like you said because they don't mention the color wheel at all Mm -hmm. you really don't need to know anything about magic the gathering to to get the full value of this yeah which i think was a smart move yeah all right so i think that is essentially two buys double buy double buy all right uh, now that we're done with the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sans Carne. That's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at TotalPartyThrill. And before we wrap up, we do want to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show each and every week. And I will also note that our website went down last week. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about that. Uh-huh. Uh, because you guys kept downloading our stuff too much and the, the like shared server kept crashing. And so our host was like, no, you're done. <laughs> um, so we are now upgraded to like a, a, a private server that we can now you know crash at will or, or whatever it is. Um, that is entirely thanks to our Patreon and our patrons who provide us the resources to do that where it wasn't even like a second thought. We just made the we we figured out the problem and we were able to just fix it so thank you you are literally keeping the show up and available right now (laughs) you are the reason that you can listen to this right now right (laughs) uh there are other rewards at patreon.com slash total party thrill that are available for example the character creation forge codex Uh uh-huh you didn't get one this week but you'll get one next week yeah one last week uh every single week we build a level 20 D&D character, give you a backstory for them, uh, tell you how to, how to multi-class them properly. Uh, and every one of those builds, I think there's, what, 180 of them? Something like that. Are available in the Character Creation Forge Codex. Searchable, sortable, have at it. All right, so what do we have planned for next week's episode? We are continuing our series on alignment, and we're talking about playing lawful neutral characters and in a character creation forge we're building the hard head yes that is from planescape take that ravnica <laughs> <laughs> all right that's it for episode 174 of total party thrill i hope we lived up to our name but either way i'm shane and i'm ishan thanks for listening Total Party Thrill is brought to you by Audible.com. The big money! Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash DSPN. There are over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. How are you going to narrow it down? Um, that's too many titles. I don't think you could listen to all of them. Right, so just... You better start now. Oh st- my god. Start with the A's. <laughs> the the double A's. The double A. Aardvark. <laughs> Aaron's Aardvark. <laughs> I, I hope, it could be Aaron's I hope anything. I hope it's a... <laughs> and it's still after Aardvark. Yeah, but it'll be ahead of like Aaron's Art Supplies. Uh, yeah, but it'll be be- behind Aardvark. <laughs> uh, Aardvark's Aaron. <laughs> Again, Aardvark's anything. <laughs> but ahead of Aardvark's Art Supplies. <laughs>
Not a real book. Yet. Not a real ad. <laughs> but it is a real offer. If you go to audibletrial.com slash DSPN, you can get an actual free audiobook and 30-day free trial. Have at it. <laughs>